Have a great matcha Monday. <laughs>
Um, yeah. And that's really hard to be vegan with Korean foods, I've found. Did yeah, you find definitely. That? So I'm actually Korean, Japanese, and Taiwanese. And oh, I think okay. the interesting thing about a lot of Asian cultures, specifically East Asian cultures, which I'm like most familiar with, is that if you go back in history, a lot of the cultural dishes are actually pretty vegan friendly. Okay. Dairy is not something that you see very often um, in kind of more traditional cooking. Like if you think about Korean food, back in the day, there wasn't like, you know, cheesy bookbook or anything now it's like cheese on everything yeah but back in the day like there really wasn't much dairy so that was easy and a lot of it was like kind of what my family would call farmer food or sort of mm. peasant food which is just largely grains and vegetables okay. it wasn't until kind of later in time where meat became introduced as more of like a luxury item so it was almost a status symbol and like a treat and something that was seen as like upper class and then of course nowadays it's a huge part of the culture when you think about like korean barbecue and things like that yeah. but yeah each of my cultures actually has its own sort of of form of Buddhism as well and so if you think about Japanese food there's like Japanese Buddhist food mm -hmm. um, or shojin food which is basically vegan same with Taiwanese food like they eat these mock meats a lot the Buddhists there and then Korean temple food is also similarly primarily vegan so it exists it's just kind of funny because it's not the food that's popular mm -hmm. so for me it was interesting to kind of look into it and try to understand like okay what can I eat that's still cultural to me yeah that is you know friendly for my diet or doable yeah because that's what I'm finding because my partner he's Korean and when I first went to Korea and lived with his family for a little bit it was like meat for breakfast meat for lunch meat for dinner I had never eaten that much meat in my entire life so when now when I'm trying to reduce my one carbon footprint and just trying it to make more conscious decisions with my food it's so hard to find things that I like to eat and that my partner likes to eat when a lot of that involves meat yeah definitely it's it's kind of an adjustment but once you get to understand the foundations of what creates a dish like let's say a miso soup for example usually it's made with like a fish based dashi and you learn to kind of replace those things it becomes pretty easy like I kind of like to think of it as almost like an allergy you just have to you know find ways to work around it and make substitutes and it can actually be a lot of fun but um that was something that in the beginning was a little tricky with my family they were like I don't understand why you want to eat all this like you know vegetables and you don't want to eat the good stuff and it's so hard for them to wrap their minds around and then it actually became something that we could bond over where we were kind of trying to figure out ways to veganize things that we would eat so that I didn't have to eat something completely different so that's where a lot of the experimental kind of Asian recipes started to come into play but it's possible and it's definitely getting easier nowadays i just mm -hmm. feel like a lot of the times vegan recipes are more focused on like western dishes there's lots of vegan mac and cheese but not so much yeah. vegan bulgogi you know <laughs> exactly yeah. well that's like what's so nice about your page because you do try to combine you know your culture and your upbringing with veganism which is really nice to see like it's coming from someone who's south asian i wish i saw that more because i look at south asian food all the time because you know that's what i grew up eating and sometimes i wonder okay but can I make this without all the dairy? Because as you know, like South Asian food has tons and tons and tons of dairy, right. highly full of ghee, which is like a big ingredient. Like my grandmother cooks with ghee all the time. And I remember, I think at one point when I was vegan, I went over to visit her and everything was with ghee. And the only thing I could eat was lentils. And I was like, mommy, I can't eat anything. And she's like, well, yeah, ghee is good for you. I'm like, but I can't eat it right now. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's fun too, because I think you're seeing more and more vegans and like recipe developers that are playing on their culture, because I think mm. that's where it's more interesting to kind of experiment. Like we've seen so many vegan cheeses and vegan mm. pizzas, but people I think want to still eat their cultural dishes. And like that's making veganism a little bit more accessible and diverse. Um, you know, it doesn't have to always be sort of Western food or the stereotypical like white vegan, you mm-hmm. know? So I think that's mm-hmm. really, really cool. Mm hmm. Yeah. I feel like it gets boring after a while. Like, there's only <laughs> yeah. so many times, yeah, you can eat vegan mac and cheese until, like, yeah, you're like, I want bukbuki, but, like, <laughs> I just want something <laughs> right. Else. Yeah. I'm I'm curious, Remy, what would, what was your, like, pivotal moment in your thought process that, like, drew you to specifically veganism? Because, like, as someone who's, you know, struggled with, I don't want to compare my life to your life at all, but just like similar issues. I know I've like thought about adopting different practices. What specifically about veganism drew you to it? I think the biggest thing for me was, well, it actually started with an allergy to dairy. So I sort of found it by accident. I was really trying to find a way to make dairy-free mac and cheese taste good. And I think, you know, when you're browsing recipe blogs and stuff, you kind of see like snippets of their thought process behind the recipe and like, oh, you know, this is vegan. And I was like, what's that? really mean I, I really didn't know what vegan meant and so the more I started making dairy-free recipes like the more I would see the term vegan popping up and I looked into it and I actually felt so much better physically for the first time ever like cutting out dairy because you know makes sense I was allergic but so I cut it out and it was the physical difference for me that felt so good and I guess at the same time learning about what veganism was I decided let me just you know see how I feel cutting out meat too and see if I'll have any kind of similar physical difference and that was really it for me like the second that I felt the difference and I smell the chicken wing or tried to eat a piece of meat again it was such a difference in digestion and I felt like my energy levels and I've always been like a stomach ache girl so for me that was major I just realized I guess there's a lot more to it than just you know being a crunchy hippie because that's really what I thought it was all about before and I think the more and more you learn about veganism kind of the ethics the environment all of that it really kind of makes sense to you and that's what keeps me vegan I would say is I have never even watched some of those documentaries that are you know showing animal cruelty like I can't watch it and I feel like that's why I stay vegan of course it can be tempting and you know sometimes it can be difficult but now it's just sort of a mindset shift where I don't really think of animal products as food anymore and once you kind of learn to start cooking it's a lot easier you're just kind of used to what you're used to Mm -hmm. so when I was in college it was the first time I was cooking for myself and actually the first time I kind of learned to cook in general because before that you know I would happily eat whatever my family was making I think that was just the perfect time for me to experiment and at the same time I was working through my relationship with food and I felt like it actually made it easier for me because when you're thinking about fruits and vegetables less processed food like there really weren't as many labels for me to obsess over Mm -hmm. you know I wouldn't see like a nutrition label on an apple for example so I actually found it a little easier to just focus on like the textures the flavors the colors like the things that I was taught to focus more on in therapy and um, that just made it so much easier for me and I felt like I was rebuilding this relationship with food and like learning how to make things from scratch reignited my interest in cooking at all because before that I was very much like afraid of food so I think it all goes hand in hand for me the way I like to think about it is just like the compassionate vegan lifestyle was so important to me but I wasn't being kind to myself and I think that was like the missing piece yeah I think it's a really beautiful that was so beautifully yeah that was a beautiful way to put it (laughs) thank you and like thank you for being so vulnerable with us Mm. and like talking about this because I know a lot of people go through very similar things and they change their dietary habits 
it's out of guilt and food guilt and even pressure from people like I also thought when I was like younger that yeah it was a bunch of crunchy hippies (laughs) who would like make you feel bad and force you to uh, change your lifestyle and your dietary habits but the thing I like about how you look at it is it's it's not like you're trying to force people to change. You're saying you did this because it was good for your mental health and it was good for your physical health. And if you can help other people get there too, that's fantastic. And I think that's a really good way to go about things like that. And even when we do this podcast or when we're trying to teach people to let go of like hustle culture and stuff like that. Like we're not trying to tell anyone that they're wrong for the way that they live, but it's a way of encouraging people that there might be a different way that might make them feel better. And that's how I actually see differences. I totally agree. And I think it's all about baby steps. Um, You know, I say this a lot, but I think it's incredible that people are really into oat milk. And I think Mm -hmm. that makes a much bigger impact than people realize. Like even just thinking about carbon footprint or animal life, it's like, it makes an incredible difference. So I really don't think of myself as like a very aggressive vegan it's not in my nature at all so I'm a lot more of the school of thought of just celebrating all the little things that people do you know baby steps like people eating a meatless burger once a week I think that's much better than telling someone you must go vegan and you know having them kind of just feel turned off by it because of that that's kind of what worked for me I I do think all forms of activism have their place Mm -hmm. because I have friends of mine who have gone vegan because someone's literally shouted at them and said like (laughs) you should go vegan and here's why so you know different things work for different people but for me personally that's always been my approach and I think it's such a huge one to have like people eating just more plants in general and like less meat I like to think I'm a pretty reasonable (laughs) we agree so (laughs) and it's so funny that you say baby steps because we Mm. say that all the time because our listeners they've kind of coined themselves as the matcha babies so (laughs) we're like okay matcha babies baby steps like nothing too soon everything in a sustainable way so totally agree (laughs) so I guess you kind of touched on this Remy but um if you would like to elaborate a little bit more um what benefits have you experienced I guess following your vegan style I know at first you said like obviously you're feeling better because of cutting dairy due to an allergy I would say the biggest benefit that I found has been just more awareness of food and where it comes from actually because prior to going vegan I never really questioned what I was eating I think it's really interesting kind of the euphemisms that we use to talk about food so when you think about like bacon if you were to kind of put it out there as like what it is you know like a sliced pig not to be (laughs) morbid but it's it's just really not appealing Mm -hmm. even thinking about things like veal or like there's just all these names for things that create a disconnect with what you're eating and most people in my life are not vegan so I'm definitely not the type of person to be like oh my gosh if you eat meat you're this or that I'm not judgmental at all but it's more just I feel like it's so important to have a connection with understanding what you're eating and where it's coming from so for example I would say if you are going to eat meat like understanding where it comes from is always great and then you know trying to source well is always great as well I don't know I think it's just really interesting to think about food from that lens and once you put together the pieces and you start thinking about agriculture and animal agriculture particularly and farming practices and fair wages and all those things and even like organic and certifications like what does it all mean I guess thinking about food through the lens of veganism like helped me just think about food more in general so I feel like I've just been a lot more thoughtful about food period um and then also something that I'm really grateful for is I think kind of my mindset has expanded a little bit more when thinking about veganism when I first went vegan the vibe of the vegan scene was very much 
aggressive and like everyone should go vegan it's so easy there's no reason not to like and we can do it it's so affordable no matter like who you are where you live like you can do it and I really believe that you know I was kind of blind to the realities of things like food deserts access to food financial situations I mean yes in theory it's true but whether or not someone has access to like dry rice and beans can make all the difference between like whether or not it's accessible or affordable again like I feel like that's just introduced me to thinking a little bit more about food systems I guess more directly veganism has just given me I guess like purpose um I feel like it connects me to food and really helps with my eating disorder recovery and just keeping that in check because I feel like I'm eating for a good reason whereas before my only purpose with food was just to like minimize and reduce shrink and think about it as numbers so yeah totally makes sense all your responses are just so like (laughs) you're so eloquent Thank you, because I feel like sometimes I can very much run into the issue of having like a run-on thought, and I'm like, okay, where's the question, and I lose it a little bit. <laughs> no, oh, yeah. Good. Trust me, we usually, when we record, we talk for like one to two hours prior to recording, because <laughs> otherwise we're going to like start talking about everyone and their grandma, and then, then we're like, okay, now we record. <laughs> okay, I think another good question kind of where I'm the topic of this still. So how do you navigate a sober lifestyle as a young person? Because I am allergic to alcohol. And I found that out very young, luckily, because I thought it was normal to have the body responses that I had. And it was not. And especially growing up in a community where it's primarily white, a lot of people don't have alcohol allergies so I never understood that nobody else was like getting rashes or hyperventilating and heart palpitations and getting like anxiety yeah like immediately and then as soon as I started hanging out with Asian people and they had the same reactions and they were like oh yeah it's because we don't have the enzyme to process alcohol so we (laughs) process it as poison and I'm like so why are we drinking (laughs) like let's just stop so how that is so interesting so how do you navigate that so I guess for me it wasn't necessarily by choice that I got so I guess I mean it wasn't it wasn't so I started drinking at a very very young age I lived overseas Mm -hmm. so by the time I had graduated middle school actually like right in between middle school and high school is when I started drinking which to me seems really young because overseas there is a legal drinking age but it's really not enforced Mm -hmm. so buying you know like a gigantic bottle of beer for example would be under a dollar cost wise and you could very easily just walk into like your local 7-eleven and grab it and it's like no questions asked and I definitely didn't look like I was an adult at that time (laughs) it was introduced to me super young that I think it became normal for me and it was definitely something that I used to cope with things that I was going through at the time definitely depression lots of anxiety and just some traumatic experiences and from then on it became I guess kind of a release for me and I also think part of it was that I I am a very introverted person and I had a lot of social anxiety so for me it was almost easier to connect with people when I was drinking yeah like you know, just feeling a little bit more free, but I can definitely <laughs> relate to what you're saying about the allergies because, you know, as an Asian person myself, like my tolerance was so unbelievably low, especially considering the fact that I wasn't eating enough. Like I had nothing in my stomach. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I was an alcoholic, but it's funny because the amount that I was actually drinking didn't need to be that much for me to get there <laughs> yeah. and like abuse it as a substance. And by the time I got to college, it was sort of when everyone else around me who hadn't grown up overseas 
was starting to experiment with drinking. Like they were still very fascinated by it. And for me, like it wasn't fun anymore. It was more of like almost like a form of self-harm, I think. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was given a second chance going to college in a completely new environment. And I felt like this is my chance to really stop with my own bullshit. And I don't know, like prioritize things that really matter in life. So I was really determined to become like financially independent, very young. I wanted to graduate early from college and I felt like I couldn't do those things while also keeping up, you know, my party habits. And a lot of the things I realized were abnormal by talking to people at my college. Like I was like, oh, you didn't go to clubs when you were like 14? Like, <laughs> how weird. What? <laughs> so I realized a lot of it was just very abnormal. And it's kind of funny because by the time I got sober, I think I was like maybe just under drinking age, legal drinking age. So while everyone else was like, yeah, I'm so excited. Like I've kind of already gotten it out of my system and I'm grateful that I did because, you know, life started to actually get a lot more important at that time. It was like jobs, internships, career, you know, so I'm 27 now, but I, I mean, I've always been told I have like a very grandma energy. Like I've always joked that I'm 40 on the inside. Mm -hmm. So personally, like I never, I don't feel left out, like not drinking or like not going to clubs. Like maybe it's that I started young and I got it out of my system, but I just feel like I've come to realize that if you can't have a good time with someone or hold a real conversation or socialize with someone without having drinks present like it's probably says more about you than anything else you know like I think mm -hmm. there's so much more to everybody than like their personality when they're drunk mm -hmm. um, maybe for some yeah. people it's a crutch to kind of like let out what's in them but I feel like there's so many more ways to kind of get a natural high almost yeah. you know just like that and life is worth living and remembering and I was just mm -hmm. so tired of like not remembering things yeah. so I can't say you know I can't say I ever feel like I'm really missing out ever um the only time that I ever feel that way is like if it's a celebration and I want like a fancy drink, but I am like so happy with just a sparkling water. You know, mm -hmm. I just, I think remembering the feeling of like how crappy I actually felt physically. I just, it's not something that I ever regret. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I have that same, I, I totally understand you because even when in university, all the girls were like, after class, let's go get a beer. I'm like, that's so weird. Like that is so weird to me. I never enjoyed my time doing those things and it wasn't just because of them like they were great people to hang out with but choices that they made were so not up my alley that I was like there's no there's no point me being here there's no point me trying to do this I'm way happier yeah drinking matcha at home by myself like that that sounds great but there are definitely times and like it's very interesting even now at this age when you want to do girls night and then everyone's drinking and sometimes I still feel a little bit a little bit left out because they're like and this is silver's like baby drink I'm like yes thank you very much but it's really nice when you find people that will just accept you for that. And those are the right people you want to be hanging out with. Yes. Yeah. Yes, so exactly. Yeah. And even yeah. Mira and I went to a girls night with my friend and they were like, okay, we're going to all make a different drink. And we're just basically going to drink all night. And Mira and I made um, Grinch Nog. And we just did, it was, um, I think it was, yeah, it was oat nog with matcha and we did mm -hmm. like sugar matcha on the rim of the glass and it was such a hit and there was no alcohol involved. I'm like, see, you can have some really good mocktails that you're going to enjoy. Don't need to drink all night. I love that. That's such a great point. And I was going to say the same thing just about the people you surround yourselves. Like it's the one being around people that accept you for that. Cause I think it's really strange how we've like normal essentially ingesting poison 
I know. You know, I'm not I'm not anti people drinking alcohol. I'm just very much anti the fact that it's so normal. Like mm-hmm. I think it's more abnormal to not drink than it is to drink, which I think is really strange. Yeah. Um yeah. because if I'm being truthful, like it doesn't do anything good for your body. But you know, people enjoy the flavor of it. I totally get that. Like it's a craft, it's an art in itself, but mm-hmm. it's really so bizarre when people can't get over that fact. And if that's the case, I feel like those people aren't the people for you. Mm-hmm. And also like it's nice to know that people have substance when you can enjoy time with them and not have to like drink like there's just so much more to life I remember when I was kind of first going through that I was in a very like spiritual place about it (laughs) and I was just thinking to myself like it's such a low vibrational substance and actually it gives you this almost artificial high whereas like if you were to just remove those toxins from your life you could actually vibrate higher like your vibration and your frequency is higher so yeah that was another way I thought about it but I totally agree like there are just so many more things you could drink and um yeah I think it's awesome drink much I was gonna say to oh sorry sorry um but I was just gonna mention that you said that how it's interesting how it's considered abnormal not to drink and I think part of it too is if you really think about it like media plays such a huge part nowadays Mm -hmm. every tv show that's catered to young audiences is all about drinking all about drug abuse all about substance abuse like disorders substance abuse like everything it's just I don't know in a a sense I feel like it's glamorized and not in a Mm -hmm. good way yeah yeah absolutely you know I think it's kind of driving youth towards using those substances to cope and stuff. For example, this is the only show that comes Euphoria. to mind because, yeah, <laughs> but I was going to say Euphoria prior to watching it because, you know, it's it's been talked about so much and I was telling Silver, I was like, okay, I keep seeing it on my TikTok feed. Like, I just want to see what this is about. And not even like three minutes into it, there's just so much thrown at you. And I know they give a disclaimer and I still feel like despite that disclaimer, everything is still glamorized in that show. And yeah, well, that's like when I started working with the population that I do and it's 12 to 24 I was shocked that there's 12 year olds using meth in my neighborhood and how it's like funny to a lot of them and I have the opportunity to work with a lot of them and the hope that one day they won't be using that substance but it's so hard because all their friends are using it and I'm like you're a you're a kid like when I was that age I was literally making tea out of leaves and a bucket <laughs> that I found outside so I just think it's so crazy how things are now where I'll be working with a client we get them sober for a little bit and then they go to a party and they're with their friends and there's hard drugs and I'm just so shocked by that and I maybe I grew up in a very sheltered area but still I'm like it's so crazy that this is what we're pressured to do now yeah absolutely and kids these days <laughs> there's that meme on TikTok where it's like high schoolers Instagram nowadays and the us on our MacBooks making like funny faces you know it's just like so different it's very different it's very different but that's kind of I what I like and I know that there's also a lot of like backlash to still with like the health community because there's a healthy way to go about getting healthy and I know a lot of people don't and pretend that they do and set unrealistic expectations for our youth but it is kind of nice that that seems to be breaking down a little bit and people are pushing for more wellness-based lifestyles and more sustainable lifestyles and although everyone hates on like being that girl it's like no that that girl is what we aspire to be but there's there's ways to go about becoming her without 
the the expense of ourselves and our mental health and our mm-hmm. physical wellness and I'm hoping that that's getting taught more to our youth and I hope all three of us here like that's all we preach like that's what we're trying to do so I'm hoping that it'll trickle down to our 12 year olds and they'll realize they don't have to do those things to have fulfilling lives yeah I love that and I hope that people realize or at least this is what I like to think I feel like that girl is also someone with balance Mm -hmm. like the stereotypical TikTok that you see is the perfect day but within that there's always balance and I think like you can have all of those things but if you don't have a healthy relationship with it you're not healthy Mm -hmm. so I like to think that it's that girl but let's just assume she has a healthy relationship with everything you know it's not extreme and it's not every day but it's like a freaking TikTok like of course you're gonna make it look good you know know. (laughs) yeah I know there's so many people hating on that girl right now and I'm like I like that girl like I'm not (laughs) I'm assuming she's not unhealthy like I'm assuming she's taking the right steps to become that girl and yeah I was watching discourse about that earlier today too and I was like well you know if you listen to our podcast we talk about how it's just about being your best version not how trying to glamorize your life to the point of like Mm -hmm. you know you can't reach that goal (laughs) what advice would you give to anyone who's struggling to you know eat well and sustainably I would say that eating well looks different for most people but I would say that one thing that I can generally advise that would greatly improve you know anyone's health regardless of what kind of diet you want to eat or what allergies you may have or what restrictions you have is that if you add more plants to your plate it's generally going to be healthy I try to say you know it's absolutely going to be healthier but I really do believe like in most cases it will be automatically healthier like you're getting in a lot more of the micronutrients the fiber of course it's just amazing for you like plants are so good and I think thinking about nutrition and wellness and any kind of food change as adding things instead of taking away things is just the best way to go about it Mm -hmm. so instead of maybe trying to completely eliminate something maybe you reduce that but you focus on adding other things and um, just make sure that changes are sustainable you know food should be fun always not something to be stressed about and it is important for things to taste good so if you need to add a little bit of whatever it is to your plate to get some vegetables down I mean you know by all means I think it's just so so important not to be too absolute especially if like you're really struggling with it nutritional yeast (laughs) (laughs) added to everything that's a beautiful answer I really like that not taking anything away it's adding Okay, so let's do some of the questions that our lovely matcha babies have asked us over on Instagram. So I guess a fun one is what are some healthy snacks that you like? This is coming from someone who struggles with binge eating and basically ways to avoid binging. So I think a really good way to avoid binging from what I've learned. I was actually a psychology major, but I am absolutely not a doctor. So I'm not going to you know, dish out any Enjoy medical you. advice. We love psychology here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one thing that I feel like is a general rule of thumb is that if you're restricting, it will inevitably end up in binge behavior. Even if you're not struggling with like a binge disorder, be gentle with yourself and allow yourself to eat whatever it is you're craving. I find that sometimes if you're looking for alternatives to the one thing you're craving, like you're going to go on this endless hunt for the thing that tastes the most similar and I feel like a lot of the times the cravings would be mitigated by just having like a little bite of like the real thing sometimes Um, so I think there's a place for sort of maybe not conventionally healthy foods to be part of a healthy snack regimen if you know binging is something you're struggling with for me personally I'm all about like texture and flavor and texture I think makes a snack a little bit more interesting you can be mindful with it Um, and I guess you could apply some of the mindful eating practices to 
snacks that you're having, especially if you are binging. So thinking about what does it taste like? What does it feel like? What is it doing for me? What is the texture like? Just focusing on the experience of actually eating it. Some of my favorite snacks, I will say, are like, I think raw veggies are so great because they're really crunchy. They're really refreshing. So I love sugar snap peas, but I also love like fox nuts or popped lily seeds. That was like mm-hmm. an Indian snack that I discovered that I like mm-hmm. fell in love with. The texture is like so incredible. Um, popcorn, I feel like is similar. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do I like? I really like, I feel like dates and like almond butter. I feel like sometimes eating a really rich food as a snack can be a little bit more satiating too. Yeah. And then um, I feel like protein is another great thing. Like if there's a snack that you have in mind or like a small bite and you can throw some healthy fats and protein in it, it's usually going to be more satiating and hopefully kind of tide you over a little bit better than maybe like a bag of chips. So that would be my recommendation. But I also think there's space for the bag of chips. Yeah. You know? Have you tried, Um, you do dates and then you put almond butter inside and then you do matcha chocolate drizzle over top. Ooh, I have not tried that yet. I want to try that. It sounds so good. It's very delicious. But actually, since you just brought up protein, another question is, what are your favorite plant-based proteins that you like to incorporate into your diet? So recently, I've been really liking pea protein, kind of faux meats, because I know a lot of people are not into soy or can't have soy for different reasons. And that's like a very big go-to for vegans, like protein from tofu and tempeh. Like it's all soy-based. So a lot of people are very not into it for whatever reason. Um, but pea protein, I feel like has been really big lately. So there are some chorizo style vegan meats that I've been loving from the grocery store that are made from pea protein. Um, Chipotle even has a pea protein based chorizo, which is like delicious. But I also love like nutritional yeast is kind of like a secret super weapon, I feel like, because it's got a really great amount of protein for like how small of them now you're eating um nuts and seeds are great even broccoli does have like a small amount of protein edamame is one of my favorites but again that's soy so it depends and i really like using alternative flours so um things like chickpea flour can add a little bit more protein and nutrition to something red lentil pasta is one of my favorites like legume pasta i think is such a stinky way to get in protein because it just tastes like you're eating regular pasta and i'm not a big faux meat girl but um i do love tofu so i think it's all about just making it the right way mm-hmm yeah, I recently tried the ch- like chickpea. I think the brand is chickpea protein pasta. It's so good. Oh yeah. Unfortunately, I feel like especially in Canada, it's so hard to find really good plant-based protein alternatives. So like whenever I'm in the States, I always like stock up at Trader Joe's or I get Mira yeah. to send me stuff. I know I ship her stuff yeah. all the time. <laughs> I love that. That's so great. Yeah. Cause it's so hard to find stuff here. We don't have very good mm-hmm. resources, but we finally got chickpea protein pasta and I'm like, but it's so expensive, but oh, they have it at Costco now. So I'm like, Oh my god, that's amazing. Set. I love that. Yeah, because I was telling her about Bonza, that new pasta that's come out, right, with lots of protein, which is great, yeah, especially if you're trying to incorporate more protein into your diet. So I was showing it to her because I use it sometimes when I'm making pasta dishes. And she's like, I, I, I'll look for it in the grocery store. And she's like, I don't see Bonza here. No. And I was like, okay, I'll add it to my box of things to ship to you. Oh, I love that. That's so fun. Your, your pasta fun. plug. I know. Yeah, the awful thing is we don't have Trader Joe's. And I really, really want to try the cauliflower gnocchi, but it's frozen. So I'm like, she can't ship that to me. So Remy, to close off our little Q&A, what are some of your favorite matcha brands and matcha recipes? So my personal favorite matcha brand has to be Ipodo, and they do ship internationally. So mm-hmm. I think 
even in Canada, you should be able to get it. But they are actually a Japanese-owned brand, and they're a family-owned business. And my grandma grew up drinking them. I think they're 200 years old as a business, which is incredible. Um, They're still very traditional in the way that they, I mean, you feel it as soon as you enter one of their little stores, but they have really incredible matcha varieties and every year they come out with like their new harvest. Like there's always different blends, but they really have such a good variety and everything from like super rich umami flavors Mm -hmm. to grassier ones to kind of like more mellow ones that are good for like, you know, most people. Mm -hmm. So I really think that their matcha is incredible and the quality has always been you know, very consistently good. Um, and then I also really like matcha full and matcha bar and then kettle. They also make really good matcha as well. So yeah, personally, I feel like ceremonial grade is the most important. Personally, don't really drink anything other than ceremonial, but I think it's also really important that, you know, people know if you like Starbucks matcha or if you like a culinary grade matcha, like that's all that matters. You know, I'm not yeah. saying like you can only drink ceremonial grade, <laughs> but in general, if you're having a hard time with matcha and you feel like you don't enjoy the flavor, like try a proper ceremonial grade one first because most of the ones you see in like those bags or like kind of like metal foil bags or mm-hmm. big quantity ones like those typically tend to be lower grade yeah um so yeah those are my favorite and then so my favorite is just like the classic vanilla oat milk latte like that's how I drink it most days but I love adding a little bit of salt to my matcha and sometimes some mm-hmm. maple so you get a little bit of like the balance of the salty and sweet my personal favorite lately has been like the shaken matcha which is like the matcha version of a shaken espresso mm-hmm coffee thing and that's been really fun like adding a little bit of cinnamon maple syrup um some salt and ice and vanilla and just like shaking it so it gets really frothy mm-hmm. i love that i really like i mean i love matcha flavored snacks too so if i ever find like a matcha chia pudding i love that mm-hmm. i'm not crazy about matcha smoothies actually because i feel like the flavor gets overwhelmed mm-hmm. very easily but i love the flavor of matcha with like a vegan white chocolate matcha with like nuts and cashew butter i think are really delicious but honestly like i, I like it just plain and um, I also love having it with like pink coconut water. It's like a little bit lighter than a latte. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of a creature of habit, so I don't really change it up too much. <laughs> Me too. I've heard about the matcha and the, do you use harmless coconut water? I use harmless or Copra. And then there's a UK brand that makes a pink one called Rebel Kitchen, I think. It's just the pink usually is like an indication of like a higher quality and like a sweeter flavor in my mm. opinion. So I'm really picky with coconut water, but it's so good. And also it looks pretty. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I always try to go for that. It's a bonus. Yeah, because I've seen that where people add matcha to like the pinky coconut water. And I'm like, oh, I really want to try it because I have harmless coconut water right now in my fridge, actually. You should definitely try it then. Like, I feel like it's such a nice combination because it's kind of like a little fruity and then sweet, but it's not like creamy. So it's not too rich. Mm. It's a little cold, to be honest. Like I mostly drink them in the summer, but it's so good. Well, in California, it's always warm. So this is true. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to try it for sure. And then I'll let you know. How Can you send me some? <laughs> yeah, you'll have to report back. Can you yes. send me some in a box because we can't get oh, pink? Oh, yeah. We don't get harmless water. coconut water. But is the matcha, it's I-P-P-O-D-O? Yes. Okay, I'm going to try that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's my matcha favorite. Before. It's really good. Mm. Yeah, it is pricey, but I feel like a little goes a long way. Like sometimes with other matcha powders, I'm using double the amount that I usually put in. So it's, mm-hmm. I feel like it's really potent and um, yeah. it's really fine. So I, I don't know. I love it. It's never done me wrong. <laughs> I'll try it. Yeah, because it's so funny. I have my cousin, she 
hated matcha because she thought it tasted like fish. And I always was like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I've never had matcha that tasted like fish, like maybe a little bit more like dirt like if it's not <laughs> a good quality one, but yeah. I never had it. And then I went to a cafe in our Chinatown. They gave me a matcha and it was it tasted like fish. And I'm like, I finally understand because my mom actually was the one who introduced me to matcha. So I've always had pretty good quality matcha. So now I understand that I've become like a matcha palate snob because as soon <laughs> as I have matcha that's not up to a certain grade, I can tell right away, even yet, if it's in a smoothie. I was so excited to go to a smoothie shop and it was a, it was called Zen Glory, I think, smoothie and it had matcha in it. It was just like the tiniest amount, but I'm like, I can taste the fish now and I can't untaste it yeah people are really picky with their coffee and I feel like it's the same with matcha like mm -hmm. you know everyone knows that with coffee like there should be a certain standard I feel like mm -hmm. but I feel like the same isn't really said for matcha yet but I feel like we're getting there like it's there. definitely becoming more yeah, becoming yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like matcha is really tied into the whole that girl you know like <laughs> yeah that's like true drinking matcha every morning but I love it though I mean we talk about the benefits all the time mm -hmm. yeah absolutely okay so I guess this is a good place to close off thank you so much Remy it's been so fun having you on and a part of our show and we've got some great answers to some of the questions so I hope everyone listening learned something or just enjoyed hanging out with us today it's really lovely to have people like Remy on the show can't wait for everyone to hear this episode yeah, thank you so much for having me it was really fun yeah of course thanks Remy <laughs> before we close off um, do you want to just shout out to our listeners where they can find find you any fun projects you have coming up anything you want to promote yeah so you can find me on most platforms at veggiekins and then my website which has all the recipes lots of matcha recipes as well is veggiekinsblog.com i'm on instagram tiktok pinterest no twitter <laughs> and youtube yeah we don't do twitter we don't, don't do worry twitter, <laughs> twitter gives me horrible anxiety i hate that <laughs> no shade to twitter <laughs> It's a beast of a platform. I just can't do it. As always, we are available on all social media. So we're on Instagram at Matcha Mondays Podcast. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We are on TikTok. And if you want to follow us individually, you can follow Silver at Silver Room Gallery. And you can follow me at Chashmira. And if you would like to support us because we are not making money off of streams anymore and we would just love to be supported financially so that we can provide better episodes for you. So if you'd like to buy us a matcha, it's on our flow page on our Instagram. It's actually our Ko-Fi or Ko-Fi. What is it? Ko-Fi. It's ko-fi.com slash podcast. Beautiful. Or something. I don't know. It's on our flow page. It's on our flow page. Look it up. But if you want to buy us a matcha that's where it is any support would be super appreciated if you can't afford it go buy yourself a matcha and we'll be just as happy so yes thing we do which we can try to time this out but the last thing we do to close out the show is we say have a great and then we all say matcha mondays so okay are you ready we can try, <laughs> we try. okay okay so with that being said have a great matcha, matcha monday, monday. <laughs> <laughs> we're like much <laughs> how much do we try care? one more time okay. yeah let's do it again we'll try one more time okay we'll do it like on the count of three, three two, two one, one.
three. So one, two, three, and number four is when we say have a good okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Count us in. Okay. One, two, three. Have matcha Monday. <laughs> I thought we were sorry at the beginning. Wait, wait, okay. Wait. Okay. We got this guy. Third time is the charm. Yes. One, two, three. Matcha, matcha Monday. <laughs> You should just include all of them as like bloopers and just like Wait, that's perfect. Great. It's okay. It's perfect. Hey, we're all about transparency. We don't get it right. We have issues counting and speaking, and that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Accept us for how we are. Exactly. <laughs> okay.